Hey, listener, this is Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two great pals recap romance novels while praising, haranguing, and critically thinking about both serious and silly topics. Hey, Patreon, I hope you're ready for our Alexis Daria hangout. It's this Friday for patrons at the $15 level and up. And let me tell you, from experience, she's so fun to chat with, so you don't want to miss it. Also, this is, this is a lot. I'm doing a very exciting thing through my other podcast, Bonkers Romance. We haven't quite told everyone yet, but you might want to check out the link labeled Secrets in the show notes, and you will get some clues. This week, Nat and Holly are here to recap Regarding the Duke by Grace Calloway. Just a content warning before we dive in, this book leans heavily on the fetishization of sultans, played out by two very white main characters. Included in this is consensual sex slave roleplay. Polly and Nat dig in as best they can, but please nope out now if that's not a topic you're up for today or ever, really. So with that said, Here's Regarding the Duke by Grace Calloway. I can't wait to tell you the secret that I've been keeping from you about this book. Okay, well, I'm recording now, and do you get to tell me the secret now, or do I have to wait? Holly! It's, we're here. Natalie! It's here. here. I'm so excited to talk about this book with you. You know what, listener? Hi, it's Natalie, and I'm here with Holly from Wildly Tarot, and we're going to be on tangents. This whole thing is just going to be goddamn tangents. Oh, my God. And most of them are going to be about sultans. (laughs) Most of them will be about sultans. I had so many moments where I was like, like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But you told me you had a secret about this book and I want to hear it. Okay. And I'm going to tell you my theory about this book. Okay. So I read this whole book and the whole time I was reading this book, I was like, wow, this is familiar. Why do I know all of this stuff about these people? And it's because oh, I read no. two of the previous books in this series <laughs> and completely forgot. Yeah. When I downloaded this, when we decided to do this, I realized that this was the only one in the series that I didn't already own. So I don't know (laughs) if I've read the other ones, but then some of the names sound so familiar. Yeah. I've definitely read, I think it's Enter the Duke. So, okay. We're reading Regarding the Duke by Grace Calloway. And we have not done a Grace Calloway on this podcast. And we wanted to do a Grace Calloway because she's been recommended. And we chose this one because of... Amnesia! (laughs) It's an amnesia (laughs) book. And we were so excited. I'm still excited. I yeah, me too. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what? I we talked about this a million years ago when I was on an ask ask about us episode about how my like bread and butter is historical romance. Yeah. I yeah, it was my first romance. I love historical romance so much, and I love Grace Calloway because almost all of her books also have sort of like mysterious things going on. Yeah. So it's very Maiden Lane, which is another series that we totally love. Duke of Duke Sin. Of Sin. In- I, haven't, I haven't read, which I need to. <laughs> 
I don't even know if you'd like it. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I think it's, I, I mean, it's pretty bananas and also longer than you'd expect. Oh, and the darn. whole time you're like, this person is maybe actually a crazy evil guy. <laughs> it's still delightful. Kieran, don't, I don't need to hear about it. I already know what you're going to say. It's, it's a delightful book. But yeah, if you haven't read it yet, I feel like it's probably, there's no way it'll live up to expectations because of how bananas it actually is. So that was one of the nice things about this book book was that it, yeah. it's fast. You know what I mean? I feel it's like. It's so fast. You could cruise right through it. And even when some stuff goes a little off the rails. <laughs> Mostly just word choices that you're like, oh, God, I hate both of these people now. <laughs> yeah. So I also liked the idea of this book that it was kind of a marriage in trouble. Totally. It's marriage in trouble in some ways. It yeah. is second chance, even though they never really like had a big breakup. They have been married for eight years by the time that the majority of the plot happens. Yeah. But I actually was kind of surprised at how much time she spent setting it all up. Like, mm -hmm. I was surprised that it was like 30% in when he was struck down with amnesia. Like, we did see them beforehand. Yeah. We see their whole love story initially. And so you really grow to kind of know these two characters. And then suddenly he has amnesia. Yeah. And then we go from there. And there were so many points where I was like, okay, the book can stop now. Like right as they were, because they had very little conflict yeah. until like 65% because he was, he had amnesia, which if Erin were here, she would remind us that's not how amnesia works at all. I don't have any fucking really well clue fiction. how amnesia I works. <laughs> I, since we both don't know what amnesia is, should we just start this book? Yeah, totally. But I was going to say that my theory about this book is that one of the reasons that I found it so delightful is that it feels like it's like self-referential to romance as a genre. Like there's a lot of vibes of it that feel very like old school like goofball, you know, the romances mm -hmm. where now you read it and you're like, what is happening? There are too many people <laughs> listed. There's too many hijinks. There are too many people almost drowning. There a lot of those things. There are a lot many, of those things. Like, all of it was just like, this feels like something that I would have read in like 2001 that was written in the early 90s, but without any of the dubious consent stuff. It's just mm -hmm. like the level of bananas that you kind of associate with historical romance from that era, but also like, so steamy. There is like no end of very Grace hot Calloway sex. is always perfect. I mean, for it's like just astonishing. Flipping a finger in that butthole. I know. You know what I mean? Like she's <laughs> literally perfect for that. Times. Yes. <laughs> I, and like in my mind, like that's kind of how I associate her. Is like she's not afraid for to some get, rimming to get a little rimming in there. Uh -uh. So the finger in the butthole. Uh -uh. She's like not shying away from it in any way. No. And I, I'm here for it. I'm here She's for it. also, especially in this one, always having one of them explain to the other what they'd like to do to themselves or each other. So there's mm -hmm. like a lot of dirty talk, a yes. lot of sex scenes, like from basically like the one quarter of the way through on there's regular sex scenes. And mm -hmm. it's just like funny and bananas. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. The yeah. heroine's name is Gabby, Gabriella, yes. and the hero's name is Adam. And Garrity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Adam Garrity. And literally from the moment that she sees him, she starts comparing him to a sultan. Like, literally, <laughs> that's her very first thought. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I had so much. I, I And I don't know if it's, like, because sultan is a specific Middle Eastern Islamic culture yeah. reference. Yeah. That I was, like, 
oh, we're going to fetishize this, this whole book. Like, yeah. As soon as I heard it, I was like, what's I don't happening know here? What Especially because he's that. like half Italian. So it's like it- Italy didn't have sultans. Are we just talking about like greater Mediterranean? And, like, and I, I don't know enough about the book like, that history. she keeps talking about. <laughs> Oh, history, history but in general, but just history in general, <laughs> like just as a whole history, like was like Orientalism and I'm using quotations listed. Yeah. Orientalism just coming into the cultural references at this time. In like the at 1830s. This, yeah, yeah. Not 2019 when Grace Kelly yeah, wrote this. Yeah, not 2019 this. when Grace Kelly wrote it. I think like, so, because I think that she constantly references that book. The, it's basically like book, the, And it must have been like a cultural touchstone of the time. This is like sort of not to plug my own stuff, but in uh, the history of tarot art, we talk about this period I've a lot. i that book. <laughs> yeah, maybe you've heard of this little, this little project I worked on. Um, <laughs> but in history, we talk about that period a lot because there really was, especially there was like the huge boom in the colonization of Egypt And so the Egyptologists and all of the like exploration of a lot of historical sites that British museums were sending people to like basically tear apart these burial sites and bring as much home as they could. All of that sort of sparked this like they called it Egyptomania and it was happening kind of around that same time. And for tarot, that's when people started saying like tarot cards are Egyptian, blah, blah, blah. And it had nothing to do with that. But everyone was so into using sort of Egypt and more broadly the Middle East and North Africa as like this kind of collective history during that period like you know how sometimes people like not everyone but a lot of people will say like that the ancient greeks feel sort of like a collective ancestor sure like in the western canon we all know all about it they were doing that with egypt too so egypt became kind of this like collective ancestor and so that paired with the fact that at the beginning she's reading what is it called like air Um, arabian tales or something something delights yeah Arabian um, Nights Entertainments. Entertainments. Oh, so that's not the delights. book. Yeah. But it's basically a thousand and one Arabian Nights. And they reference that throughout both him, yeah. be, both because she re, she is reminded of a sultan by him. And also because the narrator of those stories is this character called Shahirazad. And is that they, how you say it? Oh, that's gosh. how I thought it was pronounced. I could be I wrong. I don't have any idea. I was... I was like mumbling consonant sounds. You're like, it's a lot of, it's a lot of consonants. Okay. But this is the reason that it's so weird because she, we should actually control F within the Kindle version itself. She must refer to him as looking like a Sultan over a dozen times. It's intense. And so I guess I would say to listener, if you're considering reading this book, there was a lot of references to slave slaves in this whole book. And, and I believe in this specific term, it's sexual slaves. And but, that, and- but then also when they talk about his childhood, he was sort of enslaved by the yeah. Wileys or whatever. So there yes. is, that's one of their other reasons that it feels a little bit old school is that there's all these things that like in 2019, it's kind of surprising that somebody added to a book. But yeah. I did take note that almost, I mean, not that this matters, but in almost all situations, it's from Gabby's perspective. So she's talking about, like the harem girl sex slave stuff as being something yeah. that she's into. So it doesn't mm-hmm. make it better because it's still an author writing the character that way. Yeah. But it's just something to definitely be aware of. Yeah, for sure. So like, there's a lot of fetishization of uh, sultans. Yes. Specifically. Yes, 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 yes. And including uh, all the way up to like seeing a sex club room that's decorated to look like, Yeah. I guess it's in Persia or Turkey. Like a, it's correct. like yeah. a lot. 
It's a lot. Sure. But yes. from the moment that we meet Adam, that's what she's thinking. Like, wow, yeah, he's sexy like a sultan. Yeah. So <laughs> Which, we open in like this like prologue of him running through the streets of London. Yeah. Like trying to get to, we find out his father. Right. And Adam was born uh, to a Viscount? Nope. Duke? That's why. Because it's a Duke. Yes. Regarding the Duke. Duke. <laughs> I can't even think of his name. Who's De also... Yeah, De, yeah, De Villiers, which is written out kind of like Deviler, which is very... Because oh, wow. that's the other Just thing that Grace Calloway right does now. a lot is that she does a lot of like intentional naming where it's like yeah. his first wife is named Jezebel, but spelled slightly differently. Yeah. His like, More you know, enemy mm-hmm. is is Mr. or whatever, Anthony Deville uh-huh. or De Villiers Cru- or whatever. Cruella Deville. Exactly. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. No puppies were harmed in the making of this book. I forgot about the intro because it was so out of context. Initially. It was wild. Yeah. There was like this, and it's really not that important except that you see yeah. him try to approach his father and he's trying to escape this. He's basically a sweep and he's stuck in this like uh, sweep kind of flop house situation yeah, where he's being put to work. Adults but, who, as he says, sort of have enslaved all of these children. Sure. And he then, that I said, sure, like it wasn't important, it is important. <laughs> but then, uh, so he he gets to his father's house. He busts into the house because they're not going to let him in. And he's like, I am your son. He's we wearing the this wasn't going to work, right? Yeah, no, he didn't course. have it. He didn't oh, because have it. Then so he Wiley's lost it. The Wiley it stole him. it from him. You're right. He got, he came to England on a boat with his mother. Yeah. And his mother died on the passage. And she, right before she died, she had given him a signet ring that was like, you need to hold on to this at all costs. It's his your dad's signet ring show it to him he will know that you're his son yeah like this is your way out everything will be okay she dies on the passage the wileys are also on the boat with him and they're like we'll take care of you give us the signet ring it will we will keep it safe and then we'll get you to your father and of course they don't do that none of that shit bags yeah and they put they kind of enslave him in this this sweep flaw i think you're right it's like a like sort of just a really Almost like a stable of sweeps in St. Yeah. Giles, and they're and they all also, being like, abused them, like yeah. crazy, and they're working yeah. their fin- little tiny fingers to the bone. And yeah. it's like worst case scenario, England Times childhood poverty, yeah. <laughs> like just from start to finish. Yeah. And yeah. it turns out his dad does know who he is because the yeah. Wileys tried to basically blackmail him when they first got to England. And he said, no, just get rid of him. Like, I don't give a shit about this child. Like, just kill him. And they don't because they're using him as labor. But now at this point, his father, it turns out, pays them to kill him. And they throw him into the Thames in a Mm -hmm. weighted bag, basically. Yeah. So he's had just like nothing but trauma as a child. Yeah. And we close that prologue on like, I mean, we knew he wasn't dead. Yeah. He couldn't, like, he couldn't die. He's the hero of this novel. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so scary at the end of the thing, sad. Yes, exactly. It's terrible. And it's like, what a way to open a romance. You I know. know I mean? But it really gets <laughs> you into his mindset of like wanting to do whatever he can to sort of yeah. better his situation. And he's yeah. a really ruthless businessman. So when yeah. we first meet them both together, 
they are at Gabby's base or Gabriella had like her dad hosts this big ball to try to like a house party style ball to try to find her a suitor because her dad owns this bank and she didn't have a mother growing up. And so she's like incredibly awkward and uncomfortable, but her dad really wants to find her a good match. And so she's at this ball and she feels rejected by somebody that she danced with and like runs to the garden and Adam chases her and uh, he she... pursues her with his two burly guards into the garden. And yeah. do you want to know like what he looks like? Yeah, let's hear it. So his he's Adam Garrity was one of her father's business associates and the most ruthlessly elegant man she has ever met. He's his coal black hair was immaculately slicked back, which gross for me, but great. <laughs> I'm happy for her. Good um, for you, Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> his somber tailoring fitting his lean. Virile? Yeah. Okay, That's great. one of those Is words you only said? read. Yeah. Do you call, you don't call people virile in your day-to-day life? I sure don't. I don't. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> His lean virile figure like a, uh, like a glove. She guessed that he was a dozen years older than her own age of 22, but his austerely handsome features defied such banalities as age. Right. And she was like, sir, are you looking for something? And he basically was like, I found what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I'm it's like they're they're like the first couple of chapters are like that, or I guess just the first chapter is this. And then they sort of like have the proposal, but they have something like they yeah. have an amount of truthfulness between them. That's bananas. Like she says that everyone's sort of after her for her money, but all she's really looking for is a kind husband who loves or who she can love. He doesn't have to be handsome. He doesn't have to be rich. He just has to be nice and understanding. All she wants is a comfortable life spent doing ordinary things. And she thinks that he's charming and she's enjoying spending time with him and he's trying to spend time with her. And as a person who would have not had a lot of positive interactions with, with men, like she's obviously interested in men, but and she's never really had any positive interactions. She was cut specifically in this ball by a man who was like making fun of her. Right. And saying and basically have you have to rely like, on your diamonds because you don't have anything else going for you. Yeah. And have this, this like extremely handsome and um, kind of like scary, but in the sexy way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, aren't we all into that? I but know. Then, like, I was like, here's the problem with this book is that Natalie and I both really like this specific type of hero. <laughs> So a lot of stuff can be sort of like released as a concern (laughs) because we're like, oh, no, he's a little bit scary and very stern. Oh, no. Oh, man. (laughs) But she also so they're like enjoying spending time together a little bit. They're sort of flirty back and forth. But she knows that she can't spend more time with him because she's already having a terrible time at this party. And if she gets ruined, then it'll be a thousand times worse. And so she has all this sort of like body stuff. She feels like she's too fat to be beautiful. And she also has red hair and freckles, which I'm like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who who experiences that and feels bad about themselves until they're like solidly in their mid twenties. I have no experience with that whatsoever. Um, But her reaction to feeling that way is to just be wearing like these incredibly dowdy, ruffly outfits that are just like completely ill suited for herself. Mm -hmm. So when she feels seen by Adam and he's basically implying that she's beautiful, like right away, she's like, how does this guy see me? Like, how is he even here talking to me? Yeah. 
And uh, do they kiss at this point? I don't think they kiss yet. No, they, they don't. don't kiss it's yet. very, very like above board. Yeah. She takes her on a little stroll around the park and she's like, no, I gotta, I gotta get back to this party because I don't want this to get. I any, don't sorry, want it to be. A thing. I don't want it to be inappropriate anyway. And then basically they kind of say like throughout this house party, because it's a country house party that they're at. He pays particular attention to yeah. her and makes sure to spend time with her every day. And he threatens the guy that cut her earlier. Also, he basically says, like, who hurt your feelings? I'm going to kill them. And then he goes up to that guy later and is like, it's really shitty of you to treat people that way. Yeah. And scares him to the point of literally peeing his pants because he's so already feeling really protective of this woman. Yeah. And we don't find out in this chapter what his job is. We right. just know that he has a powerful reputation. Right. He is with armed, like with guards, like big burly guards yeah. all the time. He's intimidating so and he's rich and mm-hmm. he's self-made. And all she knows are those things. She doesn't yeah. know anything else about him. And we end this chapter in Adam's brain where, like, they have departed and he basically says, like, everything is going according to plan. Yeah. She'll be mine and I'll be one step closer to getting my vengeance. Right. And you're like, wait, like, is he going to do something shitty to her? I know. That's kind of what I was expecting, too. And I was that's like part of the amnesia thing that I was expecting, truly, was that the back is in the blurb it says like she finds out that there are ulterior motives and I was expecting it to be something so much more sinister but it isn't even really about her no I think basically like he had well I think he needed her dad's bank well yeah and she was just sorry spoilers everybody (laughs) like he needed her dad's but I'm just talking to my friend Holly yeah exactly exactly (laughs) he needed her dad's bank and then she was like perfect for him right besides that yeah yeah because what she wants is the stability and what he wants is to always be in full control of himself Mm -hmm. so it works really well for them to have both a connection he's super attracted to her and also she's like a sweet little biddable like not dramatic Mm -hmm. wife but the reality that's how she sees herself but As we get to know her better, she has, like, some incredible anxiety. And he does so much to help her manage that anxiety without it even being, like, a a thing that they're realizing they're falling into. Like, he creates a world for her in which her anxiety can be alleviated through things he's doing and also how like open and honest they are with each other about their expectations and needs. And so Mm -hmm. that's why as it goes along and they both realize they haven't been getting everything they wanted to be getting out of this marriage. It's so astonishing because it's like you're realizing that this pretty good marriage had all of these flaws as they're realizing that all all, Mm -hmm. that their pretty good marriage had all of these flaws. It's just so well done. So anyway, we, uh, yeah, we ended his brain and then suddenly 10 days later, the party is winding to a close I think at least one or two of the other books in this series all are sort of taking place during these 10 at days. This house party. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God. There were so many people in this book. There were so many people in this book. I think it can stand alone if you just don't care about backstories, but there were a lot yeah, of backstories that were alluded to. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So then at the end of this house party, she's basically like, he he proposes or he lets her know that he's interested in right. proposing to her. And, and she, at the same time, her friend, Mr. Murray, needs a favor from him. 
Adam, he owes Adam Garrity money. And she's like, can you go easy on him? Come up with some other way for him to pay you back. And Mr. Murray ends up being Adam's like right hand man for the rest of the book. So she really facilitated this really meaningful professional relationship in his life, even before he said, here's what I'm looking for in a wife. And you're matching all of these parameters that I need. And as we end this chapter, basically, they have, like, a they kiss at yeah. the end of this chapter to, like, seal it. And she, like, he holds her close and kisses her. And, and one she of feels her thoughts was, like, so safe. what does Mr. Garrity oh, yeah. have, in his, his have in his pocket? Yeah. They don't even, like, let her realize what it is. But there was another really sweet part in that chapter that I think that I want to talk about is that he basically, t- like, he wants her to know his dark backstory to some extent. So he's already trying to be pretty upfront, which I appreciated because this is not a book where like just little lies are the problem. But Mm -hmm. he tells her like, this is the way I was raised. I need you to know about this. And he tells her all of these stories and then says, do you have any questions about any of it? And she said, what was it like to be so alone? And that's her first reaction to him telling her, like, basically, I've killed people to get where I am. I am a bad guy. She's like, what was it like to feel so alone? And he's like, I'm just used to it. And she's like, oh, so you prefer it. And he's like, I, it, it didn't even matter to me at all until I met you. And now all of a sudden I want to be around people. And I and felt that rang so true, even though this is freaking chapter two. Yeah. I was like, I buy it. Like he's really getting something out of these conversations with her. They seem to have a lot of amazing, like, I don't know, I vulnerability think, with each other. And I think the response that he's expecting from her is not the Horror. response that he ends yeah. up getting, yeah. which is always lovely. You know what I mean? And and this is also the conversation where she talks about wanting to be in love. Right. And, and he talks about... He says, I, I don't do love. And she I said... I cherish whatever feelings you choose yeah. to bestow upon me. Take care of them as I will take care of you. Because she basically says, like, I'm it. not going to stop myself from loving you. You yeah. might not believe in romantic love, but I'm not going to stop myself from loving you. And that's when he's like, I'll cherish whatever you give me. Yeah. Oh, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes. I'm sorry. He the way he did with everything else with absolute, he kissed the way he did everything else with absolute authority. And that's when she's wondering what he has. In his yeah, pocket. exactly. And you can see right off the bat, he's like, in to her. her. Yeah. yeah. He, they're like, they, this is why it's so crazy. What we learn in the next couple of chapters, because part of their very controlled marriage is that they have sex once per week, every Wednesday. And that's it. And all he, like, he makes sure it's good for her. She's always super satisfied, but he never lets himself lose control. And she never like asks for anything specific. Cause she doesn't I don't know. Think any she better. knows. Yeah. yeah she, she doesn't, doesn't know. know. And so, and that's basically where we are in the book. So we're in chapter three, we're opening up. We find out that Adam Garrity is a money lender. He kind of takes us through his daily life. Yeah. We find out that, you know, he truly does appreciate his wife. Yeah. He knows that she's not beautiful in the conventional sense, but he's every, she's everything that he could ever want. Right. And he thinks she's he sexy knows- as hell. She's kind. Yeah. She's sweet with the kids. She's, super good at decorating and creating menus. And he only compliments her on the kids stuff, the menu stuff, the decorating stuff. He never compliments her body, but we also find out that he's about to have to go on this rescue mission to save this little girl that I'm sure is a huge component of another book in the series. I evidently read that book. (laughs) Apparently Natalie has it somewhere deep in the brain. Who knows where (laughs) I was like, they were like, they were like trying to get out. You know what I mean? When you're reading. Oh yeah. You're like, these people people all sound familiar. 
But this chapter is used to both like prepare for this. So it gives a ton of information about the world that he lives in, where he's like sort of a second in command of this underground network of people. And he, one of the other people's daughters has been kidnapped. So he has to go rescue her. The other thing that comes up in this chapter is more of the Venus stuff. So Titian's Venus, you probably recognize the painting because I Googled it and I was like, oh, that one where it's Venus like on a lounge chair, sort of like a chaise. She is obviously nude and has one hand sort of cupping her mm-hmm. labia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's got to be a better way to say that groin. I don't know. Crash. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, what did they say later? A buttered clam? I don't never mind. That is <laughs> no, something that happens not, in, the, in the epilogue, no. Matt. <laughs> did I gloss over it? No. I know, but anyway, buttered so clam. he he's like sort of thinking about how into his wife he is, how she's so beautiful, blah, 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 blah. He's preparing to go on this mission. Uh, Mr. Murray is there. She comes in to kind of see, like, do you guys want to have lunch or what? And she's super anxious because she is scared. It was her, it was partially, she perceives it as her idea for him to participate because one of her friends said, this is happening and uh, it would be great if you could get your husband to help. She doesn't know that he's doing it for other reasons also to get Sweeney, the kidnapper, to like not end up with money that he's owed basically. But as far as she's concerned, she's gotten him into the situation and she thought he would be like sending people in, not like leading the charge. Yeah. Yes. But the way that he is, he has no concern really for himself. No. Ever. He's constantly putting himself on the front lines and even like, I don't know if we're here yet, but even Murray, his kind of second in command, says to him at one point, he's like, you know you can still make money if you're not out here doing this stuff yeah, right now. Yeah. Right? Like you have a wife that like everyone kind of thinks is awesome. Yeah. And, and that you, you so clearly like, like you yes. don't need to be doing this. Yeah. So we go, but that happens a little in a little bit, but basically we go into more about their like schedule. So one of the reasons yeah. that he's so scheduled is that he's trying to sort of swaddle her and this like, protective layer of always knowing what to expect. So that's why he's so consistent. That's why they only have sex on Wednesdays. That's why he has like a very stable plan for them. And that all started after they had their second kid and he found that she was like unable to function. Like she had some really serious postpartum. I vividly remember this because she spilled like a cup of tea and then it was like, yeah, it was over. Yeah. Couldn't function anymore. And like, been there yeah i think we've all we've all been absolutely there, right? in like a mental place where like just one small thing is the thing that like puts you really over the sets you off and then like to be have it be like a postpartum place where you're you have your second child and it's just so much yeah and i don't think i don't think that that is specific to people that have children i think that's you know i think there are things in postpartum life where you're out of well your your actual whole, hormones are also yeah, doing stuff you're out of control of literally everything in your whole life yeah so i think but we have all been there where oh totally one small thing is like the 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 straw right that right the camels to to continue with middle eastern <laughs> yeah references. to continue with your with your turkish references yeah. but yeah i think so basically his reaction is to then every single morning leave her a little note with her schedule for the day including time imagine? for her to rest time for her to take care of herself like just all very very caring and 
we find out later that that also means that every night they're meeting together to discuss the goals for the next day, which I'm just like, that's a level of partnership that is something that is so beautiful. And exactly what I mean when I'm saying the level of stability that he offers is so amazingly far beyond what she could ever. It's perfect for for her. It's so perfect for her. And I think also though, the, his resistance to having sex or any sort of physical contact any other time was him saying, we find out later, I cannot fall in love with this person. I can't be any more invested in this person than I already am. And I think in his mind, he's not as invested invested as he actually right. is. He's yeah. like trying to hold himself back all the time. So he's like, "No, I keep it to Wednesdays. Yeah. I can't. I can't physically sink myself anymore into this person. So mm-hmm. I'm only going to do Wednesdays. They don't really have any interactions. They have like dinners and stuff together, but even those are limited because he works so often. Yeah, and he really just holds himself apart so that he can keep himself separate from this relationship. Exactly. So that he can protect yeah. her from the love that he thinks might kill her and himself from the love that he has experienced only in negative ways. But that's another thing that Murray says right before they go off to do this rescue mission is like, I know how much she loves you and you have no idea how lucky you are to have this in your life, you stupid idiot, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, we could talk about the other stuff that happens. The kids do a play. Grandpa comes over. This is, to me, one of the worst children in any romance novel is Fiona. I literally They were like, she's so charming. And I was like... That? She's charming? She's like a nightmare child. Yes! She's a psychopath. Yeah. And poor little Max, who's just like, gets shit on all the time by his sister. And then like, kind of his parents by association. And I'm just like, whatever. We don't have to talk about that. Right. The kids stuff is hard. The only reason that the kids really come into play is that they're really sweet when their dad finally wakes up after being injured. And they're like trying to make him feel better. But even in that situation, Fiona's like, come downstairs and listen to me play the piano four times. Yeah, like, she's was so like, annoying. <laughs> and thankfully, like, after Amnesia Dad was like, no, fuck off. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know after I mean? Amnesia Dad had way less. I just spat all over my computer when I was doing that oh, little child British accent also. Anyway, <laughs> all that really matters is... Okay, so uh, he goes to work. He's, like, talking to Murray, but on the way there, he stops at this... Uh, bordello or whatever. Yes. And he has routine. He goes there every, every single Friday. Friday. And it's a total red herring. Spoiler alert. He's not cheating on his wife. Yeah. But no. Murray thinks he might be. And that's when Murray and says. Everybody else is led to believe that he is. And yeah. he is the reader are led to believe he is. Absolutely. And, you totally yeah. are supposed to think that he is from that moment. And you know what? I actually was thinking like when I was reading this, I was like, okay, well maybe it's like a like a BDSM thing where they're That's not what actually I was having too. sex. Yeah. Because, so listener, the brothel that they're going to, she greets him with like a whip or yeah. like in leather or something yeah. like that. And so I think we're led to believe that there is like, Hey Mac, there, I think dog. we're led to believe that she is like, that he is in some sort of like, you know, BDSM relationship right. with her. And so and maybe, maybe I, I was like, okay, well maybe he doesn't think it's cheating. Yeah. Or he's like releasing some of his pent up yes. energy that he can't have with his I wife. I thought it was honestly going to go yeah. that way. So it, it doesn't. I, I could That's even see that in a Grace Calloway. I read another one of hers where that was sort of happening. I think it might've been, 
I can't remember. Seduce it, whatever. There was another one in a different series where it was kind of like she finds that her husband is going to a sex club because of that sort of thing. And then she dresses up like one of the like oh, sex workers uh-huh. because she wants to be experiencing it with him. And that's the whole entire plot is like how they're reconciling this stuff. She, huh. I mean, Grace Calloway is like, she's like four flame emojis on the heat scale. <laughs> like she is Yeah, whatever your scale is. Chili peppers, yeah. eggplants, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> She's got She's it all. All the She's way doing up there. All of it. She's doing the most. Exactly. Um, so it's the night of the raid. Yeah. The night of the blah, blah, blah. And and Adam and Murray and his guards and a variety of other people are like on a boat and they're waiting for like their moment. Right? We did, however, hold on one second, miss their first oh. ma- full sex scene, which is before oh. he goes to work. And it's like the middle of the afternoon. He decides that he's going to try to make her feel better about the raid by having sex with her on a Friday. And yes. she's like, oh, we can't. It's not a Friday. And then she tries to cover up and he won't let her. It was in full daylight. It was full daylight. And yes. he's sort of like, I don't want to spoil my innocent wife, like my depravity, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I can't enjoy this too much because I'm a wanton or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but then I think that this is when the first rimming thing happens. Does it, I thought that that no, was that when might he happen. drunk. I think it was when he was drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, this is before. So he's, there's this, there's he's this thinking night a lot that's, yeah, about all of the things he'd been, like to do. But yeah, a that's, night that's, that's been, been, been alluded to. <laughs> a couple of times, and you get alluded to it throughout the whole book, but where... Uh, that's where he, the rimming happens. He was fully depraved. I think that's where the rimming happens. Yeah, I think so, too, because he was drunk, and he does eat her out, which has never in the history of their marriage happened. Apparently, I mean, she didn't give that guy a beecher until like, yeah, till after the like, amnesia. Like, what the hell? Yeah. And I'm the glad that they were all having such satisfying years. sex without it. But geez Louise, yeah. that's insane. The best missionary sex of their life. <laughs> I know, seriously. Um, but anyway, no, they, so haven't they, even ha- they have not even like gone from behind. I know. Tommy. And that's what he's fantasizing about when yes. they're doing this daytime sex. He's fantasizing about like tying her up and doing her from behind and all of this stuff that's like, guys. What is wrong with people? <laughs> I mean, not that there's anything wrong with people if they don't do that stuff, but also like they both are so into it and they've been yes. married and having sex for eight years. And he knows about the gamut. Yeah. He of knows all of that it. could happen. And yes. everything he tries with her, she's super into. Like in yeah. this sex scene, he has her like hold on to the bed frame the and bed she's post, like yeah. beyond into it. So anyway, he she always falls asleep right after sex. So he tucks her in and he's overwhelmed with this emotion of wanting to lay down with her and just watch her sleep and take care of her and be there with her. But he knows yeah. he has to go on this mission. Yeah. So that's when yes. he goes to the bordello. That's when he gets the talking to from Murray about how lucky he is that his wife loves him so much. Blah, 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 blah. The rescue mission is happening while Gabby is talking to her dad who mistrusts Adam a ton and thinks he's just after the money. That's all during the play. Yeah, the children put on a play. It's terrible. Of course it is. Um, Exactly. Yeah, so then the dad's like, you know, you have to be careful. He can't, you know, take advantage of you. He's going to. He will take advantage of you. Yeah. And then Adam is on this boat and they're watching this warehouse and basically this like villain has taken a child captive and like armies. I was having a really hard time picturing armies. Armies were yeah, referred like to several times. times there'd like, be like hundreds of men fighting. And I was like, do we just mean like men with clubs? Do we mean, you know, like those like cudgels? Yeah. Also another word I've never said out loud. I so believe you. So is that what we're you. talking about? Like some of them had pistols. Well, and some anyway, of, there's like a hundreds. lot of explosions. Explosions. What? <laughs> well, the guy, Harry Kent, which 
<clears throat> is not a euphemism. Um, he's in a previous <laughs> book. Stop <clears throat> it. I didn't even think of that. He seems cool. He's a scientist. He was in like one of the first books and he's like an explosive scientist. And in his book, someone has stolen like explosives, et cetera, et cetera. So like, of course. Um, so he has like all sorts of explosive science. Yeah. On his side. Can I just say and, one thing about the play? I have written yes. down. Uh, we see Gabby with her dad who hates and mistrusts Adams. Adam, my my old last name is Adam. So I have a really <laughs> hard time both writing and saying just the word Adam. Adam. <laughs> um, a bunch of their friends watching their terrible children put on a terrible performance. Yeah. Literally, Fiona is a nightmare child. And I basically hated her every single time she was on the page, which is not a nice thought from an adult to a child. But anyway. You know what? And <laughs> as a person who has children... Like, you got to fight that, like, my ch- like, I sometimes think my children are terrible. No. You know what? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. They're so funny. I wouldn't, like, tell them that they're Oh, of course terrible, not. But of I might, not. like, think it in my brain. Well, and sometimes kids just, like, and I think the reason for this is because Adam was supposed to be there and can't be. And it gives you the chance to see the children upset that their dad isn't around yeah. in the way that they'd like him to be. And it just shows, like... I think it's here as a counterpoint to how he is with them later. Right, exactly. All of this stuff that happens before the next scene where Gabby is unable to sleep and then Adam gets brought home by the doctor and Murray is showing that they're all fine. Their household is functioning. Everyone is, you know, ostensibly happy, but there's just a little bit missing because everybody is holding back a little bit and not getting everything that they need out of each other. Yeah. So she isn't sleeping because she says she never sleeps well ever, except for on Wednesdays after she gets boned Mm -hmm. down real good by her (laughs) husband and then tucked in. Dicked hard and missionary. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So she only sleeps well on those nights. So she's not sleeping when Murray and the doctor and Adam all get home. And he, the doctor says basically he's likely to live. No organs or bones were hit, but he got shot in the side and also hit in the head. And also he fell also, into the Thames and almost drowned. Okay. England times one of these things happening. Is yeah. A problem, yeah. Right? Any falling of these things the alone. alone. Yeah. Falling into the Thames alone. And it's the second time in your life that it has happened. Yeah. Like, your body can only handle so many bacteria, sir. So then, like, yeah, so he gets shot. It goes through his side. It's a through and through because I'm obviously a crime scene professional. Yeah, and, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And then he falls and hits his head and then falls into the Thames after that. So, yeah. like, somewhere a lot in all of, of this, things. they never say it, but he gets a concussion. Right. right? He hits his head real hard. The He obviously has the problems from his side wound, but it's the concussion that's really the problem. And right. He's unconscious. And... And then does not gain regain consciousness consciousness for a while. Two days? Uh, yeah, I think two days. But the whole time he's dreaming about when he was a child right after his first attempted at drowning, when the yeah. original Mr. Garrity and Jezebel, Jezebel, sorry, I just am going to call her Jezebel because I can't sure. remember to say Jezebel every time. Jezebel. It makes me think of a cow name, right? Well, maybe yeah. it's because they talk about they it. They do talk about that a lot. <laughs> it's so bovine, Natalie. Yes. Um, <laughs> But they find him, and so he's dreaming about this, and he keeps, he says her name out loud, like, twice, and Gabriella, what? Gabriella hears it, and is like, who the fuck is this? And she's thinking, like, maybe it's somebody, maybe he is having an affair, blah, 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 and then she recounts the wonderful drunken sex from a couple of nights, or a couple of months before, 
where he's really wasted because he says someone important died in a fire Mm -hmm. and then they have this crazy sex. It's so fantastic. There's rimming involved. There's a lot of dirty talking involved. She's, she rides him on his couch, which is exciting for her. Yeah. That's happened. And she's like feeling, she wakes up, she feels all of the shame because she was being so wanton. And as you know, husbands hate it when their wives enjoy sex. All of the husbands. (laughs) England timed husbands are such drags. And then when, so she waits, till he leaves to go down to breakfast and when she gets down to breakfast she sees a newspaper about the what is it called the glistening pearl or something some other brothel burning to the ground and having casualties and she puts two and two together and is like yeah he had referred to like in his drunken state that someone he someone important yeah died in a fire yeah and then she finds out there was a fire at this brothel and she's like who the fuck is this jezebel maybe that's who died and he's still dreaming like he's still fully out comatose and she starts thinking like maybe Jezebel's actually a cat or maybe she's a cow and then she starts just like imagining Jezebel as a cow rather yes. than a human right and she's like holding on to that so that she doesn't go like completely spiral out of <laughs> yeah control, exactly like, been there you yeah know? you gotta do what you gotta do and then he does say Gabriella and then he in his like sort of dream state is like don't leave me as he's drifting out yeah. of in and out of consciousness so she doesn't because she loves him and she's worried yeah. about him. So she basically stays at his bed until he For days and days. Mm-hmm. And he wakes up and he doesn't see her or anything like that. He wakes up and he's like, I'm so damn thirsty. Yeah. Where the fuck am I? <laughs> so he goes to get up, but he doesn't know about his side wound. And so he stumbles. Yeah. And she kind of like comes to his aid. And then that's when we realize that he has no, no idea, idea. Who she is. Yeah. And no idea who he is either. Right. And his um, first reaction is like, who is this beautiful goddess who's taking yeah. care of me? And yes. when she's like kind of hurt that he doesn't recognize her and she's like, you don't know who I am. I'm your wife. And he's like, no, I don't know who you are, but I also don't know who I am. And then mm-hmm. he passes out again. He like starts having some brain buzzing post concussion yeah. symptoms and passes out again. And the yes. doctor says this is pretty normal. It's a head injury. It might take him for a while to regain his memory if he ever does. But he's in great health, so it should be okay. And then the doctor says it'll be harder for you than it will be for him. The people yeah. who are the ones with amnesia don't know that they're any different. But the people who are the ones who are taking care of them are like, you've changed a ton since before. Yeah. And you have to completely recalibrate your thoughts of who this person is. And even positive or negative, they have no memory of their behavior right. to you prior to this. So you have to either let it go or, you know what I mean? Or yeah. try to remind them of it. Right. And and that's kind of where she is, <clears throat> is she's trying to kind of remake their life, how it was right. with him and, and have things be exactly the same. And what she finds out is he's not he's interested not, in that Yeah, he doesn't he want has, it to be exactly the same. It has been in his case, lucky for him that he doesn't remember any of the reasons that he held himself back. Yeah. So he is fully committing himself to her, to his kids. Basically from right off the bat, like when he finally does wake up, wake up and she's sleeping in the chair next to the bed, his first reaction is like, holy shit, my wife is so fucking beautiful. Like how lucky I am that this is where I am. And this is my beautiful wife. And he gets, she gets him more water 
And he's feeling super connected to her because she's the only familiar face at this point because he's still in a strange place. But she, this beautiful woman, is saying, you're my husband and you're safe with me. And he's like, how lucky. So she's like the anchor in this weird, strange place. And the interesting thing is that he recognizes this covetousness within him. He's like... (laughs) I covet this life that I've just awoken into. I'm coveting this woman. I'm feeling desperate to hold on to her from the immediate moment of being aware of his like surroundings at all, not remembering anything from his past. He's like, this is the life that I want. I want this woman by my side. And it's like, Oh, Adam, it's so beautiful. No, he's like, he's like your dream man. After he wakes up, like he is just, Willing to do just about anything to make his wife happy. Yeah. And, make, and also make himself happy. Yeah. Because he is, you know, identifying that, like, when she's happy and when she's comfortable, they both get along really well and they're both really happy. And, like, why can't he have all the things that, that right. you know, that he wants and she can't, why can't she have all the things that she wants? And he's recognizing how proud of him she is when she's telling him about himself Like, Mm -hmm. he recognizes that she thinks he is completely amazing. Like, she thinks he is the smartest, most handsome, most capable, strongest person in the world. And that also, like, humbles him. He, like, feels really touched by that. And she tells him about the kids. She tells him about their lives. He's, like, surprised that he has children. She says, like, the only thing... He starts asking about if he has any siblings or parents, and she's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know any of that. All I know is you were raised in St. Giles, you were part of a gang, and he recognizes those feelings of loneliness and fear and the desire to survive immediately. And that that he... However nice and pristine his life is now, he knows instinctively instinctually yeah that that is not what what he he started with and that yeah exactly and and so we kind of go through a few weeks right of i think weeks of him healing yeah like a couple of weeks he says if he couldn't remember his past right now then so be it the present held plenty of attractions he wanted to explore and so he steps into the shoes of that lucky bastard, Adam Garrity, whoever he was. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, like, here yeah. for it. But then through those weeks, the kids are, like, reading these Arabian Night stories to mm-hmm. him. and like Great. More sultans, right? <laughs> yeah, more sultans, more of those similarities. And mm-hmm. they are, like, sort of interacting and becoming a family. Yeah. And, and he realizes, like, he is healing. And, like, Gabby is kind of holding herself physically away from him yeah. as far as like she's and oh, he's like I'm not that's sure that's hilarious it's, he's like if, a little tiny bit flirty and every single time he's a little tiny bit flirty she's like, and uh, like yeah and room. he's like I don't know if it's because she's worried about hurting me I don't know if that's just not kind of the relationship that we had yeah she basically like enacts this plan to like seduce, seduce her wife. yeah and <laughs> And so then I think in the process of that, they have a conversation about, like, their physical relationship. And she's like, I mean, like, we did have a very, like, great physical relationship on Wednesdays. On Wednesdays. And he was like, but what about the other days? And and she was like, oh, well, you know, it's just part of our routine on Wednesdays. But those Wednesdays were great. Those Wednesdays were great. They were so fantastic. And you would yeah. always leave before the next morning. And... <laughs> 
Like, yeah, sounds she awesome. Just, exactly. She's yeah. just, but she is sure that she really liked those times. But also yeah. after that time, a couple of months ago, she realizes that there's more stuff they could be doing. And she's like, oh my God, he's going to think that I'm such a light skirt. If I like express mm-hmm. interest in having your tongue on my butt again, sort of thing. Like she's really (laughs) uncomfortable with like letting him know how into that she was, even though he didn't even remember it happening, even at the time he'd been so drunk and he especially doesn't know about it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So then his whole plan, which like, let's talk about what a dream night this is. (laughs) You have somebody research all of your favorite shit. Yeah. And then make all of your favorite stuff happen in a whole night. Basically, that day, he puts her to sleep for a nap because she has been so tired. Yeah. And then she wakes up and her lady's maid is like, no, we got a whole thing planned. Yeah. Come downstairs, And, like, does her whole hair and, like, dress. And she goes downstairs and he has prepared every food that she loves. Well, he hasn't, but he has had prepared. Well, right. (laughs) He's still a rich guy in England times, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Even before amnesia, he didn't know how to make a coquette of potatoes. Yeah, exactly. But he's he's had prepared all of her favorite food. He went to the jeweler that he knew that he went to for gifts for her and got her some jewelry. And all of this is just a plan to seduce her. But she accidentally gets way too drunk because she's (laughs) nervous. And so she's just drinking wine and drinking wine and drinking wine. So he tucks her into bed and just lets her mm-hmm. sleep after this like beautiful wonderful night she kind of ruins it a tiny bit but he's so charmed by yeah. how adorable she is that he just mm-hmm. like gently undresses her and puts her into bed and is like yeah. you know this is my yes. cool wife and god is she great uh <laughs> behind her shyness and inhibitions lay a hot little wanton praise god <laughs> yeah he's like so excited about- oh and she talks about all like other times they've had sex she's like mm-hmm. very open with him about that stuff when she's drunk so he's really yeah. looking forward to eventually getting there and then he plans a vacation for her yeah i mean he's like we should get out of the I house want. i know maybe we just need somebody <laughs> to plan a vacation for us <laughs> But I she, want somebody to like make have somebody make all of my favorite foods, yeah, and then like feed me wine and then plan a vacation for me. I know. Okay? Oh God, somebody needs to make that happen. But <laughs> so they don't go on the vacation before she hangs out with all of her friends. I'm sure who are oh, all yeah. main characters in other books. And she's like, he's being so weird. He's like flirting with me and being really nice. And everyone's and like, like, girl, what the hell are you normal. worried about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This all seems super normal. They full blown say like, this should not be something you're worried about. But she mentions the concern about Jezebel and Tessa, who's this cool underworld chick is like, I have connections everywhere. I can tell you if that name is on the list of people who died in this fire, will that make you feel better and more grateful for your husband being this like incredibly loving dude in love with? Yeah. That you obviously love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so she's like, she does think that that will help as if she just knows if Jezebel was one of the people who was killed, but yes, then he decides to plan a vacation and they go to some hunting lodge. It's like and... their property because I think he has amassed properties as people have owed him money. He'll yeah. like, instead of money, he'll take like their properties. So he's had this hunting lodge mm-hmm. and she had this whole hand in redecorating it. So they have been there before, but they've never really been there in this capacity. Right. It's just the two of them. Just the two of them. <clears throat> and with and... him being so much more in touch with saying things he means to her about what he thinks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's just like fantastic. And the carriage ride there, they yeah. talk a lot more about the like sex stuff. And he talks about how into her he is mm-hmm. and how he wants a real marriage. And he asks like, have I been a good husband? And she's like, yes. And then he talks about how they haven't had sex like a true husband would since the yeah. accident. And yeah. he realizes that she responds better to him when he's like a little bit more domineering. Yeah. Like taking the pressure off of her I mean, is like, something she's into. As much like a sultan. As yeah. As much like a sultan be. as he possibly could be. And she realizes that she doesn't just want the security anymore. So even now, like just a couple weeks after the concussion and amnesia, she's like, this is better. Like my husband is better now. And I don't want to have the same relationship that I used to. I want to have a relationship where I can tell him the risky and terrifying things that I want to do. And Mm -hmm. she just really decides that like, she's going to start being more honest. And also he starts making her just accept compliments. One of my gripes with this book though, was that we got, that Gabriella would not have gotten to this place on her own. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? She really only does it to please her husband, I guess, at the beginning. And, like, as the book goes on, she's like, nah, I'm still doing it, like, later on. But if not for the encouragement of her husband and the pushing by her husband, she would never have become more... Self-possessed. Um, correct. And assertive and things like that. Yeah. And so that was a, big, a bit of a bummer for me. Again, we're in... England 1800s, times. 1838 England. or whatever. I think yeah. that they're one of the reasons that her girlfriends come up so much is because we're, tr- she's, we're trying to... Not we. Grace Calloway is trying mm-hmm. to sort of indicate that maybe there's also that, like, vulnerability that she's adding to her relationships with these women that also Mm -hmm. helps her get to that point. Because in one way that she does change pretty drastically that he doesn't have anything to do with is her protectiveness of him to others. Like Mm -hmm. when they're at the ball at the end and uh, De Villiers is there and she Mm -hmm. basically says like, get the fuck out of here to him. Yeah. That's maybe something that he didn't bring out of her other than that. I guess he increased her general confidence maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, like, my only real, like, kind of, like... Yeah, oh, I could well, totally see that. In addition to the salt and stuff, the... <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> and also... Um, yeah. So, yeah, so they have, like, really good sex in the carriage ride on the way, too. And she's, like, can't believe that you can even, like, have Do sex that? Yeah, what the like, hell? What? Yeah, so that was exciting for all of us. And then they get there, and they basically just, like... Fuck for days. Fucking for, like, three days. Four days. And there's all Four of days, these, yeah. like reiterating sort of like what did we have before what should we be doing now kind of like Mm -hmm. reassessments of values and needs Mm -hmm. and wants and all of those things and that just keeps happening like he's they wake up together in the morning and they have sex and she's like she's like i loved waking up this way and he's like yes we'll be sleeping together every single night or we'll be having sex every single morning and she's like no just waking up with you And he's, again, horrified that he wasn't even doing that with his wife. And he's like, we're never sleeping apart again. And that night was the first night ever in their whole marriage that they had slept together. Right, right. Actually shared a bed. And woken up. and had sex, but slept as in actually slept together in the same bed. Right. And she Mm -hmm. loved it. And he's like, Mm -hmm. this is so the least I can do. What the fuck was wrong with me? Yeah. Like, he truly, this whole entire sequence when they're on vacation... Over and over again, he's like, what was wrong with me? And then 
he starts like carrying her upstairs and he's like, we're starting over. I'm not limiting my desire for you anymore. And she's like, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. And he's like, you know, if you, if I ever do anything that you don't like, you have to tell me, I just want you to be comfortable. They have all of this dirty talk. He Mm -hmm. gets compared to a Sultan over and over again. They realize that there's like some power dynamic stuff that they want to play around with. And then he, they have this very, very prolonged sex scene that was perfectly, perfectly adequate. Yeah. (laughs) And then she starts crying and she is saying, I just love you so much. And his eyes start burning And he says, I don't know what I did to deserve you, but from the moment I awoke, I started falling in love with you. And she's just completely falling apart. She can't believe it. it. She's like, how, how is this happening? Yeah. And he goes, he says, the hope in her eyes was more than he could stand. Sweetheart, didn't you hear me? I'm falling in love with you. (laughs) He cupped her face in his hands and felt the preciousness of what he held. Christ, I'm not falling. I'm bloody there. He's already there. He loves her. And this is when I was like, we're like 60% of the way into this book. Like, yeah, it could what end. What else is going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Like what, how are they going to mess this up? Because it just seems like, why would you not just go from there? And especially because we, as the reader already knew that his vengeance was related to this guy who's his father who tried to have him yeah. killed. So like, to me, that vengeance makes so much sense that I was like, of course she'll be supportive of the vengeance when she figures out what it is. But just fucking tell her. Uh, yeah. Just fucking tell her. And of course, well, at he, this point, he doesn't he, know. At this point, he, has he doesn't no know. idea. Yeah, he still has no idea. You know, there's kind of like little hints in there where he's like, why were we holding on? Like once he starts going back. Yeah. Once we go. So now we kind of go back. Right. There's not a ton more. They do have sex in the boxing ring. And that's when he the first blowjob. And he's like, mm -hmm. I'm your master. Yeah. That's a lot of master slave imagery that they pull through there. And there's. And to me, much grosser is the fact that it's all happening on a boxing ring camp. Uh, yes, I mean it is. It is like private. Widely it is used, private. <laughs> but also the fact that this dude was just exercising for who knows how long. Yeah, and he's got the sweatiest testicles. If oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Life, and you put those in your mouth, honey, and <laughs> for like, your first blowjob ever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there I mean, was no showering. There. We've just all been there where we're like, I got to muscle moment. through this flavor <laughs> for. But th- yeah, but they she, also have a conversation. She has no idea. Yeah, she has no idea. She's never done it before. And they also have a conversation about how she wanted to be a virtuous wife. And he's like, literally, what the yes. hell? What made yeah. you think that I wanted that? And she's like, well, you said that when you proposed. And he's like, I'm not trying to belittle or discount your feelings, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell I was talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she kind of says like, you were so handsome and powerful and rich, and you could have had anyone you wanted, but you chose me. And you kind of see that in the first in the first chapter, a wallflower who was shunned even at her own house party. Not only that, but you were kind to me. You listened to my silly woes and made me feel important. Yeah, I think I fell in love with you at that moment. And when you proposed to me, you said you wanted a virtuous, trustworthy, and loyal wife. And I knew I could be those things. Yeah. And I wanted to be those things more than I'd ever wanted anything in my life because you were the kind of husband I'd always dreamed of having. And so you kind of see like this little peek into like her why yearning. She kind of like settled. I don't think she knew that she was settling, yeah. but why she never really thought that there could be anything else because she was already fulfilling her end of the bargain. She right. was already getting more than she ever thought she ever would right. have. So like amazing, you know what I mean? And she's says she just wants stability and kindness and so the little kindness the very 
buttoned up kindness that he provides mm-hmm. felt like it was enough until she realizes that somebody could be kind and also fulfilling in so many other ways. Mm-hmm. So she basically says, like, you've created a monster and he is has a little tiny flash of Jezebel being wanting to go out. It's sort of like the he. Oh, no, that's in a dream. Yeah, he has this whole dream. He has this whole entire dream about. And he, I think he doesn't link it the, with Jezebel. He still doesn't yeah. link it with Jezebel because she asked him about Jezebel and he didn't know what that name was from. Yeah. But he has a dream about some woman being uh-huh. all gussied up and wanting to go out and him being like, no, it's not safe. No, it's not safe. And her being basically yeah. like, fuck you. I'm going anyway. And yeah. then she ultimately dies that night and he feels really yeah. responsible for it. Well, and he wakes up thinking that he's lost Gabrielle. Yeah. Yeah. But in the dream, it's this, it's this blonde other woman. woman. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that, and that's like, she wakes him up and like comforts him after that. But but yeah, then that's kind of the end of that's when they yeah, they then leave the vacation. And he says, so she says, I think your dream was about how scared you are to go back to our regular life and that things won't be the same. And he said, it took me eight years to say that I love you. Basically, it took me eight years to get to this point. Nothing can change that. I was an idiot, but now it's different. We're never going to let anything get in our way again. And he does a lot of like sealing a vow with the kiss. Like, mm-hmm. he's really reaffirming his commitment to her throughout this time. And this is when I left a note for myself that was like, okay, the book can end now. They figured it all out. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're great. They're going yeah. back to their regular they, life. They don't fine. need his memories to come back. But when they do start to come back, they you know, she, Gabriella has a message from Tessa, and she's afraid kind of to look at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she doesn't. she's like, I don't want anything to ruin what just happened. Like, yeah. Anything negative to overcome it. And basically the the note, like, so that she kind of puts off reading it, puts off reading it. They do the, like, the children's stuff and whatever, and she reads it in secret. And basically we find out that Jezebel was not the name of an employee. So we think, like, okay, we're in the clear. Yeah, we're know? totally in the clear. Because yeah. when she asked him about it after their crazy sex romp a couple of months previously, he affirms, like, I never would betray you. I would yeah. never cheat on you. I would never, put, like, I promised you fidelity and I meant it. And so she is like really relieved that that wasn't a lie when Tessa is able to confirm that whoever died in a workplace fire was not a sex worker named Jezebel. Correct. Yes. And he's, she's so relieved about it. Yeah. Um, and there's like some more work stuff and the dad is all worried about it. They go to a dress fitting together and because Mm -hmm. they have Tessa's engagement ball and Adam convinces her to get something more form fitting. She full blown is like, I know what I like. And he's like, yeah, but you don't know what looks best on you. And, and the modiste is over there being like, yes, thank you. Yeah. The modiste is so stoked. She's she been like, trying to show different styles yeah. for years now. And, and Gabriella's like, no, nah, I'm good she literally like 17 ribbons on yeah, this. Thank she you. like selects the most dowdy dress there and then says, can you raise the neckline and add more frills to the bottom? Yes. And the modiste is like, you are a sure. 30 year old woman. Like, <laughs> yes. Why are you doing this to yourself? Yeah. Adam, there's like a bunch of scenes where Adam's at work and uh, Murray is like, I'm so glad that you finally like appreciate what you have. And we find out that the only thing that is really going badly at work that Adam can't really piece, piece together is that there's a whole bunch of banks that he's invested in or like little investments that are failing. Yeah. And he's like, I'm pretty savvy business-wise, like, according why to am everybody. I, yeah, why am, why I, am I keeping I, all of these banks yeah. that are, like, floating so much money to this Anthony de, de Villiers? Villiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And like, it's not going well. Why would I be keeping these banks? But he can't put it all together yet. He doesn't understand why. And meanwhile, we find out that Gabriella's dad has invested lots of money into Villiers. And that, and he calls her over because he has a wasting disease. He is dying. He calls her over and he's like, ma'am, I have looked into it. And your husband has been bribing your trustee. Because basically like, when his father dies, Adam Garrity does not get a cent. It goes into a trust yeah. for kids and her. And and there's a trustee that's been being bribed. And, and at so this we, point, she he doesn't know that it's Adam who's been doing the bribing, but he knows that this trustee has a lot of debts and that therefore he is a very permeable like person for somebody to take advantage yes. of. So, so at this yeah, point, we don't, yeah. we don't know it's Adam. That's right. But yeah. the dad is like, I bet it is because the dad really doesn't trust Adam. He thinks that he Adam is just him. after his money. He's just never trusted him. But because she was so in love with him, even when he first proposed, she like talked her dad into letting them get married. So the trust is so important to the dad to make sure that his legacy is secured and the kid's legacy is secured but he's never trusted her husband. So we don't know that it is Adam yet, but they go to this midnight garden themed engagement party for Maggie Mm -hmm. and the Duke. And it's beautiful. And she's dancing the whole night, both with her friends, partners and with her own husband. And at the very end of the night, they go up to a group of friends and get introduced to uh, why can't I ever say this guy's last name? De Villiers. Yeah. And De Villiers is milk. like being a fucking jerk. Like he kind he's of like kind is of being a little borderline snarky creepy. and rude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's being a, like just borderline uh, like problematic. Yeah, for, totally. For everybody. And they're all kind of like side-eyeing this guy. This guy's weird. And then he's he's, like walking the edges of propriety. And he's like in his 60s and they're kind of like, I can see his power, blah, 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 blah. But he says something about like, oh, we've never met because we don't, you know, travel in the same circles. And she said, Gabby basically is like, well, if you don't like us, then you can just leave. Like she has Mm -hmm. no patience for him being rude to her husband. And she really stands up to them because they're looking down at money lender. He's looking down at a money lender. And she's like, you can't talk to him like that. Yeah. So... Then the next day they leave the next day she's rifling through his desk looking for Max's book and she finds this sealed letter that has a wax seal on the back that is two crossed riding crops. Love it. Great call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it basically has a note saying like, I haven't heard from you for a couple of weeks. I hope you're okay. And that we can resume our Friday visits. Signed, Signed J. J. For Jezebel! Yeah. Is it? Is it? Is it? This is when I was like, oh, that was for sure a red herring. So, of course, because this bitch is all empowered by love and shit now. She's like, I need to figure out who the hell this woman is because it is unacceptable that my husband has been lying to me about this for so long. And so she basically tracks down the driver of the carriages and says, either you tell me where he goes on Friday nights or I'm going to hire a handsome cab and go to every single brothel brothel in the city until I figure it out. And so, of course, they tell her. And then, well, somebody goes to go tell Adam Adam. that this is all happening. And she's already gone. And then suddenly between the bordello or the brothel name, all of this other information, all of his memories come flooding back. Yes. So he like he's they see him at work and he's like trying to figure some stuff out. And he's got like a headache and he's got like a buzzing. And so he it kind of like as 
like as they say like oh she's at this location it like all comes rushing back yeah and so he's got this like meg rim um he's got meg a migraine rim. and and then he realizes like he's got all of his memories back every like, single yeah. one all of a yes. sudden he knows all of it he knows the devalier situation mm-hmm. he knows who Jezebel is, he knows yeah. all of the stuff because Mrs. Wilde's club sort of prompts it. And yeah. he's like, fuck, I have to go get my wife. Yes, yeah. So he so he kind of rushes over there and mm-hmm. Gabriella is in a room like with this woman. A yeah. blonde, like, and I believe she says it before he's yeah. there, So right? she yeah. doesn't tell Gabby who she is, but she says, basically she shows up, she says, I'm... Adam Garrity's friend, you have to let me in. And the guy at the front door is like, of course, come upstairs. He takes her to this room. First of all, she walks past all of these like sexy rooms, mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. with like racks with and actual sex happening with actual sex happening in the rooms and ends up on the third floor. And this blonde woman, tall, beautiful blonde woman opens the door. It's the same woman that he met with earlier in chapter three or whatever. And he's, she says, like, why did you mention Adam's name? And she says, I'm his wife, all, like, indignantly. And she, this woman goes, oh, you're Gabriella. It's so nice to meet you. She's, like, completely surprised to see her. But she's like, is everything okay? I've heard so much about you. Which, of course, Gabby's like, how fucking dare this guy? He cheated (laughs) on me with this woman who apparently knows all about me. This is It's totally fine with him being married. Yeah, exactly. She's not concerned about this at all. And then this redheaded man walks in and he's like, oh, I'm her wife or I'm her husband. Yeah. And... So she's like even more confused and she's asking like, who's Jezebel? Who's Jezebel? Is she one of your whores? Is she blah, 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 blah. And this woman keeps saying, this isn't my story to tell. Yeah. And then thankfully Adam does come there and, and is kind of like explains everything, right? Like explains about Jezebel and that he, Jezebel was the one who, helped pull him out of the Thames when he was a kid. Yeah. And they kind of grew up together. And this blonde woman is, yeah, this blonde woman is Jezebel's older sister. Yeah. And she's always worked in this, either this brothel or another brothel. And so that's one of the ways that Jezebel became really obsessed with basically exhibitionism and living the sort of wild lifestyle. And he tells Gabby all of this, like as we were married, she was getting more into that. And I was realizing that she didn't love me. She yeah. loved what people who saw us together thought about her. And she and wanted that- to keep going and keep going. And he wanted to just make money. And he, they were like separating. They were like fighting all the time and just really, really far away from each other. Really toxic to both him and her because she wasn't, she wasn't able to be herself either. Yeah, exactly. You know, because of their relationship. And so he does talk about like the the last night there, you know, he is a moneylender. And so he has like enemies and he was worried that like there was like some hostilities picking up. And so he said he forbid her from going out to a party because you can't forbid people from doing shit. At least me. If somebody says you can't do that, I'm like. Well, watch me. <laughs> yeah, truly. But and like, and she wasn't concerned about her own like. No, you know, she, she thought such she was a fine. Reckless, yeah, she, was at, and she was at such a reckless phase in her life that she was like, no. And so she ended up going to a party that got um, raided by his enemies. Yeah, and she was shot and killed. Yeah, and and he found also her just that brutally night that violated oh, in a right. lot of ways. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. part of also like his. I guess feelings of responsibility for it is that if she had just yeah. died in sort of like a random attack or whatever, it would have been not his fault. But because 
it was such a violent attack. He feels really responsible yeah. for it. And so she then asks about like, well, what the hell was about that important person in the brothel dying? And he tells her like, there was the wily wife, Drusilla, I think, was Who had, had like kind of kidnapped him. And yeah, at his him into very this, like, early yeah, childhood. This, yeah, he was situation. super abusive. They were abusing tons of children, and he died. And so he didn't get to enact revenge against Mister Wiley, but yeah. Mrs. Wiley ended up having a pretty significant debt to Adam, although she didn't know that. And mm-hmm. so she went to work in this brothel to pay back her debt. And then Gabby's kind of like, oh, my God, like, that's a horrible that would be a pretty unforgivable punishment for somebody to do. And she was like an older woman. She was like an older woman. And and Gabby was like, well, what was she doing? He was like anything she needed to. Yeah. And he's like, but she was old as hell. So probably mostly scrubbing things and like not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then there was a fire and she died. And so he also never got his vengeance to her about anything. And so I mean, but like what other revenge could you want? I mean, seriously, she's dead. So what the hell? But like probably miserable prior to that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Gabby decides that she's going to forgive him for that because this woman was an abusive piece of shit to a bunch of children. And so the world Mm -hmm. is better without her. But it's still like all of this information and she's still fully on team Adam and she's trying to convince him that it's not his fault and that he had no more, he had no other choices and that she would still make the decision to marry him over and over again. Yeah. And she knows all of the danger and she's just so relieved that he wasn't cheating on her. And this is where he decides that that was enough truth and that he doesn't have to tell her about any of his plan, other plans for vengeance, even though those plans are the ones that most directly impact her actual life. So whatever, but he decides that he doesn't need to share that with her. And he's still saying, like, this is probably why I always kept you at an arm's length. I I needed to be in control of the situation because I didn't want to put you in a position of danger. But ever since I met you, I've thought you were the most beautiful woman in the entire world. And just, again, kind of like affirming how much he means or how much she means to him. And... He basically says, like, you're still mine, aren't you? To tell me that despite everything you now know, that you are mine, my wife, my true partner, the only woman who has ever held my heart. And she says, you will always have my love and my loyalty. And then she, like, fiercely looks at him and she says, as long as you don't lie to me. Yeah. (sighs) I won't tolerate you keeping any more secrets. And Adam, this was like, if you wanted a silver platter for all of your shit. This is it, sir. And he, he didn't. He doesn't. Declines. He doesn't. Yeah. And then she wakes up that next morning alone. Oh, despite... no, 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 no. Oh, we what get, did I miss? We get Sultan sex now. Oh. Holly. This is when we go into the Sultan room. With oh, the silks yeah. And the draperies. And we have lots and lots of Sultan sex and lots of slave euphemisms. Yeah. And, um, and they're in the sex club for this. Correct. Still in yes. his former yes. sister-in-law's apparently personal bedroom, but whatever. Which is yeah, dressed like dressed up like a like a silken <laughs> throne room. Yeah. I don't even know. It like, seems what is like it? it. Yeah. I think we need Palace to find room? her book. I wonder if she has her own book. Maybe. 
so yeah, she's married to like her husband for years and they both like, Oh, that was another sweet thing that they say before Adam even gets there is that they say like, I, the husband was like, I owed Adam money and I was one of the smart ones who paid him back right away. And he set me up with Jeanette because he thought we'd really get along and he knew how much joy marriage brought into his life. And he thought it would bring joy into our life too. And they got together after he was Adam and Gabby were already married. And so it's sort of like these people who he's known for so long who knew how in love with her he was. And she still had no idea. Yeah. And he, the husband even says like, I'm sure he never took the time to actually tell you, but your marriage (laughs) brought a lot to his life. And it's just like a very sweet moment. And then all of the, then the confession and all of that stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, she does wake up alone the next day and then she's alone for like two days. Yeah. He's just kind of like, doesn't come home. He's like working on revenge shit. And her uh, father calls her over to his deathbed basically. And it's like, I have proof it's Adam. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so Gabby goes through the whole process of changing her trustee to actual Harry Kent. Again, not a euphemism. (laughs) Um, Just a guy, just a science guy, just a real sciencey guy and trustworthy can't be bought. So she kind of goes behind Adam's back to like, ruin his revenge yeah like, like there's no way she, that adam yeah. will get harry to agree to anything and, and she so, knows and the, that and his revenge will not or his plan what she doesn't know what it is yeah but she knows that this is going to ruin it and she's like just basically like pulling up those big girl socks and going like saying i'm gonna deal with whatever happens and then and, even worse adam separately is deciding that he needs to figure out a way to get that money or get the control of the bank when Gabby's dad dies. And so he decides that maybe he should try to have Gabby's dad declared incompetent. And he does think this would destroy my marriage. And then he does think maybe none of this is worth it. Like what is revenge if it ruins my family, but he still moves forward. He doesn't and, move forward and, to declare him incompetent, but he correct. does move forward. But he's like to... kind of like on his way there when he realizes that Gabby has been kidnapped. Yeah. Right? This is where we're well, at. Right. So we're... he goes yeah. home and he's like, oh, it looks like her light's still on, but I'm just going to go to sleep, whatever. And then she walks oh, into his right. room and she's yes. like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Was all of this a lie? You were yeah. always just using me for my dad's bank. You never loved me. Why are you deceiving me? All I wanted was your truthfulness. You couldn't give it to me. Like she's legitimately flipping out at him. And he does not defend himself in a way that is appropriate. He gets no, it's, pretty mean. Yeah. He's he's feels cornered. And so instead of saying my fucking my biological father tried to kill me and now I'm trying to ruin him, which would have resolved this. Yeah. He's like, you've always been such a dumb baby, basically. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, you know what? I'm done. I have no more love for you. I have no more faith in you. I am done. I am out. We're not. We can still be a family, but I am giving nothing else to you. Yeah. Full stop. Period. Yeah, she had said, like, she had never fought with anyone and didn't know how to in all her life. She'd tamped down, like, any hurt and pain and but it kind of, like, here. exploded out of her, like, Because it's a new ass says. Gabby. Yeah. Sisters yeah. are doing She's got to <laughs> tell him. So he runs off to his office like a little coward yeah. because men well, hate she was confrontation. Basically like, yeah, yeah you get can the do fuck whatever. out. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> she did. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> well, she was basically like, I don't know where you're going to sleep tonight, but it's not here. Yeah. And... 
So he goes to his office. He drinks an entire bottle of whiskey. And then as he's waking up very hungover, he's like, what the fuck have I done? Like he has this realization that none of it matters if he doesn't have Gabby in his life and that she was right. And he betrayed everything that they had ever worked towards by just not telling her what the plan was. All he had to do was say, this asshole ruined my life and killed my mom and I'm trying to get revenge. And she probably would have been a down bitch and been like, let's make a plan. I love plans. Yeah, she loves plans. She wants specific tasks. It would be great. So he realizes all of this. I need to tell her about Davillier, I need to like make this right. And Murray is like, yeah, bro, you really do. What the hell, did, <laughs> what the hell happened? Like he's so pro them being together. Yeah. And he's like, he tells him basically, there's no way that your kind hearted, loving wife actually stopped loving you that fast. Like yeah. if you make this right, I guarantee you she'll take you back. And he knows yeah. that's true because he knows that she's a sweet, lovely devoted yeah. person and she's always been that kind of person and they have things going so well like yes. he knows that this was a huge error but he's hopeful that maybe he can still win her back and then the minute he decides to do that his guard comes in and says she's been ambushed in broad daylight which, this was the first time that i was like she has guards around the clock yeah which i was like of course she does of course her she husband's does like a shady money lender yeah like she needs guards. Oh, he's like a crime boss of course she yeah. has guards all the time like i was like oh wow but they didn't well, help in this guards. situation all no. three of them mm-hmm. got killed by yeah. develier's people and there was a note left for her or left for him basically saying like you i got your wife yeah my further instruction and and he like jumps into action absolutely like, i gotta get my guys i gotta find all my friends yeah he calls all of his friends is basically like i'm a total piece of shit yeah but I i'm willing this. to make it better yeah <laughs> and you just need to help me and they kind of all like them and their wives kind of all like give him this one chance to make things right. Absolutely. Because all the wives are so team Gabby. Gabby is a beloved member of this community. Like every single one of those women and all of their partners are like, yes, she deserves somebody to love her as much as she has been feeling it from you lately. And it will give you this chance to make it up. Like Mm -hmm. you got this chance and that's it. So she wakes up in a hostage, hostage, what, why can't I say hostage situation? Hostage situation. I did it. Hooray. (laughs) And she has no idea who kidnaps her. But as she's in this dank holding cell, she's like, oh my God. Like the night before, before she even got kidnapped, she had decided that she had to go find Adam to be like, you are the most important person to me. And I may not be the most clever of my friends. And I may not be the most determined of my friends. And I may not be the strongest of my friends, but my amount of love is infinite and I can give love forever. And I don't want this to be over. We can figure this out. Tell me what's going on and we can figure this out. And then, so she, she gets kidnapped on her way to go tell him that. And she wakes up and De Villiers is there. Being yeah, a fucking like, lecherous creep yeah, in the room. Got his villain monologue going. Oh, the and longest villain monologue. He I didn't even highlight talking. any of it because I was like, uh, um, the only thing I highlighted was time. at the very beginning when he goes, it looks like my son shares my taste in women. Oh, God. Oh, and he like caresses Pearl. her hair and I'm like, Pearl. <laughs> so well, we disgusting. find out 
that his like right hand man is like a double actually agent. a double agent yeah and like feeds information to adam but has to pretend to gabby like he pushes gabby because he has to like make it seem Devillier real or whatever but Devilia yes. explains the entire plot and the whole time gabby's like if i had known that i would yes. not be mad at him like oh you're his dad and you had yeah. him killed twice because it yes. turns out when he gets knocked over when he gets shot and concussed and yeah. almost drowned that was also because of Devillier paying somebody to make it of, look yeah. like it was part of this other skirmish as adam's like ma- machinations machinations sure i don't um, know i've actually never said to, that out loud are, I, me either there's a <laughs> first time for everything machinations uh, we're gonna go with that one yeah, tonight sounds good to me um as they're going forwards davillier kind of is like seeing what's happening he's realizing and so he kind of figures out who's he doesn't know who adam garrity is yeah a hundred percent. But then he realizes like whoever this fuckhead is, he's taking all my money. He's trying to ruin me. And then later he realizes who he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, And and he talks uh, about how he's never going to get access to my estate. My family will never accept him as my heir, even though he's fully legitimate because he was born when his parents were married. They were married. Yeah. Like there's no question about it. And he's like fully just convinced that he's trying to get all of his money. And then also, so de Villiers like annuls the marriage with Adam's mom, then gets married to another woman and they don't have any children. So there's like a lot of stuff at stake. England times rules. Yeah. This guy's the Duke. Yeah. And de Villiers has no recourse besides killing him. So he's tried to kill him twice and it just isn't working. And, All of the men show up and Adam decides we're all going to spread out to find Gabby, but I am going to kill de Villiers. There's no way around this because everyone goes and looks for her and I'm going to do this to finish it once and for all. Right. We can't leave him alive. There's just no fucking way that this guy can be left alive. So Mr. Murray is the one who finds Gabby. And this is where the worst <laughs> thing I've ever re- read in my entire life happens. Poor Mr. Which Murray. Is, he didn't deserve this. Mr. Murray is nothing but good. This whole book. Yeah. And he did not deserve He did this. not. Mr. Murray is a total friend to both of these people. He does everything he can to make them happy and to keep them together and to get everything to be copacetic between them so that they can have a happy marriage. Yep. He finds her. They're so relieved. He says, okay, we have to go. And she says, no, I'm not leaving without Mr. Garrity. And that (laughs) motherfucker. He knew. He knew knew that would happen. Adam knew that would happen. And so then he (laughs) says, he gives a code sentence to to everyone that goes to look. And what was it? Oh my God. I didn't even think about the fact that he had to tell all of those men the code word. Every single one of those men. Knows what's (sighs) up. So she says, no, we can't. And he says, Adam was worried about that. And he says he has a message to share with you, which is go to the ship, Gabriella. Your Sultan commands commands it. it. (laughs) (laughs) I we're both Grace Calloway, like pulling our face down dirty. He did not deserve that. None of those men deserted, deserved the sexual harassment of having to be brought into this weird sex game that they're having. (laughs) And I didn't even think about the fact that every single one of those men had to be told the password. Oh my God. And, and now, you know, they're all going to the same club and they're, I would, 
Yeah. I would call him Sultan all the time all the for the rest time. of his life because yes. it is such it's just so ridiculous. And poor Mr. Murray, who's done nothing wrong, has to participate in it. And somehow it works. And then they joke yeah. about it later. And I literally just put down my Kindle and was like, Grace Calloway, <laughs> how dare you? I hated that. I hated yeah. it so much. None of us really deserve that. Let's be honest. <sighs> it could have um, been so many things. We didn't yeah, have to bring we were the like Sultan thing back in. Ninety percent of the way through that book. I know. Okay. And I kept if that thinking, like, at ten percent, I might have just, I might, I might have just put it down. I kept thinking yeah. there has the first two times she said Sultan, I was like, okay, he's like whatever, yeah. he has brown hair, maybe that's it. When that ended up being the motherfucking payoff for this, I was like, no, I reject this. That cannot be the payoff <laughs> of all of this talk of sultans. I just don't, ugh, so embarrassing. Ridiculous. Anyway, so they yeah, send so, off the blue firework to indicate that Gabby is safe. Adam does go and has kill Devillier. Down Devillier, yeah, and he tracks him down to a boat and he throws him into the oh, into the river and yeah. he drowns. Yeah, because he doesn't poetic, know how right? to swim. Sw- and Adam's like, "It's too bad." This is I a have lesson to, learn. to everyone out there. Yeah, you should all know how to swim. You should all know how to swim. We know <laughs> it's hard and we know there are access issues in a lot of areas of the world, Correct. but you have to at least know how to. What float if you fall? With your head tennis. up. Yeah. Yes. You have to at least learn how to float. Yeah. It's just yes. a safety thing. The cool yeah. thing that I thought was a nice little symbolic gesture is that after he sees that Devellier has drowned, he finds the signet ring in the bottom of the boat and he just throws it overboard. Like he does not care. And he even says when they go back home and have this total come to Jesus moment about how harrowing it all was and how much they still love each other and how much they shouldn't have been lying to each other and how much they just need to support each other. He even says, do you want to know what I felt when he died? And she's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I felt nothing. Yeah. I didn't feel anything. The vengeance meant nothing without like us being together and yeah. the context of our marriage. Like none of that mattered to me anymore. Yeah, you are my re- my reward and loving you is my true purpose. What gives me my life meaning? My heart is yours until it stops beating and beyond. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, they, yeah, everything's fine. And they're together, which we knew they would be because the first 60% of the book was like they have great chemistry, they have yes. great communication. This yeah. is a romance, so of course they're going to end up together, but it just like the state despite all of the shenanigans, the stakes ultimately felt kind of low. Yeah. I mean, like like there were deaths and still like like people like getting risky death stuff happening. Yeah. It still felt fine. Yeah. <laughs> then you did know? you read the epilogue? I probably did. He rents out the entire Uffizi so that they can have oh, sex in front yes. of the Venus. That's right. The portrait yes. of Venus from and he Titian. Has, he has her like reenact the painting yep. and then they bone <laughs> on that sofa. And then she says, the I guess Uffizi we do look kind of alike. Know what hit them. I know. Yeah. Seriously. I was like, I've been there and I feel like <laughs> there had to be somebody lurking in behind a pillar like, somewhere. There was just like a bunch of portrait. Eyes yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Watching every movement. But she's like, I guess we do look alike. And he's like, yeah, but your tits are better. And literally uses the word tits. And then the book is over. But basically also conveyed in the epilogue is that her dad died and that he did end up with the majority shares of this railroad project that Devillier was in charge of. And he wanted to ruin the project and she won't let him because she knows that all of these everyday people had yeah. like, like her, her, um, ladies, her, her ladies, uh, maids fiance. fiance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of these regular people had put money towards it. And so she won't let him ruin it. And then they hire Harry Kent, not a euphemism mm-hmm. to yeah. be the scientist behind it. And he's able to create this steam engine that no one thought yeah. was possible because it's so fast. So ultimately he's done a lot of good 
and they love each other and they brought their kids to Europe and have a whole bevy of nannies and caretakers. And so they get to have sex in the, in the Uffizi gallery and they're good to go. Yeah. (laughs) Happily ever after. Happily ever after. Oh Oh, man. Do you have a lady love Holly? Uh, Okay. Yeah. My lady love is this specific can, a brand of canned sparkling wine. Yeah. Let me tell you what it's called. It's called Outspoken. It's always on sale in my grocery store. It has this really great label, which is why I first bought it. It looks like a man wearing a hat with a big giant mouth. It's kind of a line drawing. It's completely stuck in my koozie. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was very dangerous. Hold on. You're all blurred. I can't see him. Ah. Hold on. I can't even see my own face because I haven't. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, yeah, I am blurred. Ooh, it looks like this. Oh, oh cool. Outspoken. The sparkling... I bet I can't get that in Central Illinois. Well, you'll be here in a couple months. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'll save some for you. It's mm-hmm. a sparkling rosé, and it's just really delightful. And I opened one when we started recording, and I have not had a single sip of it. So that's what I'm going to do after we're done. Well, but I drank this love... entire chilada, so that's good. Yeah, chilada nada. Yeah, chilada natus. I'm excited about that sparkling wine. I'm going to look for it. I love sparkling wine. It is now, of course, we had two days of spring here in Illinois, and now (laughs) it is summer. It's 82 degrees today. So it is sparkling wine season, whether you're drinking not N.A. sparkling wine, which is very good. If you need a recommendation, surely N.A. I have actually really liked their sparkling. Natalie, do you think listener knows about your basically sommelier level knowledge of (laughs) N.A. spirits and wine and beer? It has been. I think so. Okay, we have talked about it. We talk about N.A. beer a lot. I talked about on the most recent episode. Oh, I don't think the lady loves out yet. We talk about seed lip. Oh. And how I think that the people who came up with Seedlip all have handlebar mustaches. <laughs> because um, it's evil how much we want to spend our money with them or because they're well, such hipsters. No, but like, because they're such hipsters. They're making <laughs> they're making distilled uh, non-liquors out of pea shoots and hay. Like, of yeah. course, they're fucking I mean, neither of my parents drink anymore. And the amount of Seedlip consumed in my household, in my parents' household, not my household. I'm 35 yeah. and don't live with them and haven't for decades, but... <laughs> Uh, it all counts. My parents' household is astonishing. They love that stuff so much. Yes, I love trying all sorts of new NA products. So if anyone has any questions, let me know and I will point you in <laughs> or a direction. So my lady love is like just like fucking like just just give up on sleep and, and no, like vegetables. I no, hold on. Listen. Okay. okay. I'm skeptical. <laughs> and just lean in to like a birthday celebration. Oh. And just say like like, so this weekend, I, like, had, like, really fancy lunch with friends on Friday, Sarah, with Sarah Whitney and Tanya, and uh, on Friday, and then we went out to dinner that night, and then on Saturday, I drove up to the city, and we went to the Bridgerton event, which was fantastic. With and your sister, so it comes, fun. Yeah, with my sister, and it was very neat, and then we went out to this fancy dinner with all these meats, and I just, like, just... Just like I just leaned in to the whole weekend and just said yes to everything. And I'm not saying that that's good to do all the time. No, but I, I accept it embrace... as a birthday weekend. But in general, yes. I worry about bowel movements when you're not eating any vegetables. <laughs> Truly. But for birthday and weekends, it's fine. Yeah, it's yes. I veg- I believe in vegetables. And uh, we're birthday general birthday cohorts because your birthday was last weekend yes. and my birthday is next weekend. So, yes, I will be just like taking that meat baton right from you lean, <laughs> lean in 
meet it up if that's what you want. If you don't eat meat, lean in and however you want. But I just like, I felt like I just said yes to everything this weekend. And I, it was exhausting and fun. And I have a lot of yeah. really great and you deserve memories it. from it. Yeah. And, and so like, I just think that that's fun to do every once in a while. And I think a lot of times, especially us as women, we feel like we have to do things like in moderation or, or, or say no to things because I don't know, we don't deserve it or whatever. Well, and, and like um, the idea of doing things like three days in a row can seem yeah, kind of overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, and like again, I don't want to do that every weekend. The bags still exist on my face from it, but I just, I just have this is really great. It was just a I'm really great. I'm so happy days. for you, and I'm yeah. so glad you had a good birthday. You deserve yeah, it. Yeah, it was fun. So yeah, so I think just do that, and also like drink sparkling wine. Yeah, it's fucking it's summer. Summer now almost. apparently. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't hit the solstice. We're about, to, we're going to in like a month and a half yeah, though. Just close. And yeah. if it's already going to be in the 80s, we might as well just act like it's summer. Heck yeah, it's tequila season. It's sparkling wine season. It's whatever season you want it to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So uh, keeping a badass. And then, like, love yourself as oh, much as you love Harry Kent not being a euphemism. <laughs> love yourself as much as you love that first ever blowjob. <laughs> no. The first time. <laughs> Harry Kent you... is much better. <laughs> I need to go find the book he's the hero of and read that next. Oh, I'll send it to you. I have read it. <laughs> okay, I love you. Love you. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show. <laughs>